you are tuned into our worship service at Friendship Baptist Church in Mont Alban, Texas. We believe God desires to meet you right now in the hearing of His Word. We are a small town church, but we're seeing a big size God, and we are excited for you to be a part of it today. so excited um, to worship the Lord with you this morning. We're excited about having a baptism. We're going to celebrate and worship through baptism this morning, so looking forward to that. And then we just have time to sing God's praises, to exalt the name of Jesus, to take and open up the Bible, the Word of God, the all-inspired, inerrant, sufficient Word that He's given to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to take it knowing it's God-breathed, and we get to meet with God face-to-face this morning. Y'all realize that, don't you? When we open God's word, we sing, and we let the Holy Spirit who indwells in us reign in this place. 
and we get to meet with him. So I'm so thankful. Let's just, just, just come and rest in that moment. Father, we love you, Lord, and we just pray in this, this very time, God, Lord, that we would recognize what we're doing, that it wouldn't be a routine, it wouldn't be just something we're here to do and something we've done and something we'll continue to do, but Lord, it'll be more than that. It'll be meeting with Almighty God. Lord, that as we meet with you, your name would be exalted and we would surrender, Lord, to you, to your will, to your desire to take our place, our heart to the place that you desire to be, Lord. To take our mind to the place you desire it to be, Lord. Lord, that you, we would give up, Lord, our desires and come to this place where we meet with you and be directed and led towards you. God, I'm just so excited to have family here, brothers and sisters in Christ, that you died for, that your blood was shed Lord, to unite us as one body, to take people from death to life, and to give us unity together in love through the Spirit. God, may you be worshipped today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
Father, that's the great promise that you are our God and we are your people. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for the reminder that, God, we are gathered together in the presence of our Savior. Lord, as I think about Calvary and I think about what you went through, Lord, to deserve the name Savior. Father, may we humble ourselves before you today and recognize, first off, that we needed to be saved. And perhaps if there's someone in here today, Lord, that hasn't really come to that conclusion that, that their life's okay and things are all right apart from you, Lord, would you just radically show them just how desperate of a situation they're in away from you? Lord, would you show them just how much they need to be saved, just how much sin, Lord, has caused us to fall short of the glory of God? Lord, would you show them the reality of even hell, Lord? Lord, for those that stand condemned, as we all did apart from Jesus, but Lord, because we're in the presence of our Savior, no longer is it the condemnation that we receive, but it's the compassion and grace of Jesus Christ. We get to stand pardoned, Lord, forgiven, and we get to stand in the place where you're making us more holy. So, Father, would you do those things in this place? In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Praise the Lord, church. A couple things before I get into the message, and it's hard for me to do this. I'm ready to preach, but I got a few things. I didn't get to do the announcements yet, and so I want to make sure y'all hear these. Um, November 12th, we have, that's today, so tonight we have our business meeting, our faith family meeting, so we'd love to see y'all here tonight for that. 13th and 14th, I know me and Dwayne for sure will be at the SBTC, the Southern Baptist Texas Convention annual meeting. Um, that is a convention of Texas churches. Um, so we'll be there at their business meeting. They do that once a year. This Wednesday during lunchtime, we'll be feeding the Trinity Valley Community College. We'll be feeding about 30 of the Baptist student ministry kids there. And so if you want to help with feeding 30 kids, let me know. It can be something super simple. Um, that evening, November 15th, we have Friendship Friendsgiving Supper, and so I want to remind you, that's this Wednesday. If you show up this Wednesday at 6.30, bring some kind of your favorite Thanksgiving side or dessert. We have turkey meat that's fried and provided, and we have some dressing that we're going to help out to help with uh, some of the kids and youth that come that won't be bringing food. But if you come, we'd love for you to bring a dessert or a favorite Thanksgiving side, and we're just going to have a Thanksgiving with our church family. So that's this Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. look forward to seeing you there. There's a Thanksgiving luncheon for the ladies, November 18th, and there's a RSVP that you can do online for that on the app. We didn't get bulletins. This is why I'm reading them today to you. Um, the bulletins were not printed because the printer decided to do what printers do, drive you mad. Y'all with me? Um, and then last thing, y'all, um, two more things. Belize mission trip next year, July 13th through the 20th. If you're interested in going to that, we're going to have a, a meeting of interest December the 3rd. December the 3rd, so don't forget that. Um, we'll be talking about that more. Operation Christmas Child, we have just 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. We have 20 boxes short of reaching our 146 goal. And so if y'all um, would like to take a box and do one more box, um, we'd love to reach that goal and be able to take them. They have to be completed by next Sunday. So next Sunday's when we'll have those in. We'll be taking them uh, and, and getting them where they need to go. And then finally... Um, Y'all, we got to make a meal for the meal train this week, and we got to go drop it off um, for a new baby born. And uh, can I just tell y'all how much that meant for that family? They just had a new baby, brought them home from the, the hospital, and got to see their church family that they, don't, they hadn't even really joined the church yet. And they got to see a church family love on them and give them a meal for the next several days while they were home. It just brightened them, and they've talked about it so much and how appreciative they are. And so I just want to remind you of that ministry and Tana, Tana, you raise your, your arm over there. Tana, that's Tana Allen over there. She leads that. She's the director of that ministry. If anybody would be interested in helping that ministry, we're always needing more hands to help provide meals for people in the hospital, coming home, people that have death in their families, that kind of thing, babies being born, any kind of thing. It would just be nice to have a meal provided. She does a great job with that. So y'all see her. I'll put, um, yeah, praise the Lord for, for, for what he does through that. Um, and so make sure you see her or get with me and I'll give you her number and that way you can get signed up for that. All right, y'all. I think that's all my announcements. Father, I just come before you again, Lord, and I ask that as we open up your word right now to Exodus, Lord, Exodus chapter 33, 
Lord Jesus, would you meet with us? Lord, would you amaze us with your word today? Would we be amazed more so by your presence today? Would we be amazed by the fact that you're with us today? Father, I just I love you, and I thank you. In the name of Jesus, we come before you. Amen. So today, we're finishing up what we started in Easter, last Easter. So we've been a seven months in the book of Exodus. Today, we're wrapping it up. We're wrapping up the book of Exodus. We're going to try to put a big, pretty bow on this thing. Um, but there's a lot that's been going on through the book of Exodus. There's been a lot. We've seen a baby lying in the Nile River, baby Moses. We saw this baby grow up, be taken into the home of Pharaoh, but then he ends up fleeing from Pharaoh, and he flees to the land of Midian. And as he flees to the land of Midian, he finds himself there. Years later, there's a burning bush. Y'all remember the bush that was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. Very cool, very, very exciting thing where God calls Moses and says, Hey, Moses, you're on holy ground. Come here. I have something to share with you. And so we see this moment of him being brought there. We see Moses then going out to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. And then there's the ten plagues. Each plague hits them one after one, completely destroying Egypt, right? And that last plague, the the death of the firstborn, and the way God spared the Israelites was very important. He told them to take the Passover lamb, to take the lamb, which would be known as the Passover lamb, and take the blood of the sacrificed lamb and do what? Put it over your doorpost, and the angel of death would pass over you, and God's grace would meet you, and you would be spared. And so we see God's people delivered and redeemed by the Lamb. We looked at how he was told to build the tabernacle, and how God's presence, he comes and dwells with his people. That was the point of the tabernacle, was God coming and dwelling with his people We saw how they fell just last week, how they fell and started worshiping a golden calf. After all that God has done, splitting the Red Sea, delivering them out, they come, Moses comes down, and there they are worshiping a golden calf. And so, I remind you this, because this story is the groundwork for much of what God is going to do throughout the generations. In fact, you're going to see this story as the groundwork for the whole Bible. I mean, God is going to continue to use this story of him delivering his people. He's going to continue to go back to it. We see the people of the Old Testament, the prophets refer to it. We see Jesus referring to it. We see the New Testament writers referring to it. And we see the early church. And even today, me and you here today get to refer to this Exodus story knowing it's the groundwork of what God has done. You see, the people of God trust that God can deliver Because he did deliver. You with me? Without the Moses then, we wouldn't be able to understand the greater Moses now. Without the Passover lamb then, we wouldn't be able to understand the greater Passover lamb we have now. Without the greater dwelling, without the dwelling of God in the tabernacle then, we wouldn't understand the greater dwelling of the greater tabernacle now. Without the Exodus then, we wouldn't understand the greater Exodus that we have now, that we've been referring to for the last seven months, God's deliverance for his people. And so as we go through this today, we're going to wrap it up, and we're coming right back into the story where Moses comes down from the mountain, there are All of his people worshiping this golden calf. Moses breaks the Ten Commandments, the two tablets. He breaks them. He destroys the calf. And he says, whoever's on the Lord's side, get over here. Come to me if you're on the Lord's side. And they come to him. And then 3,000 people that didn't come were killed. Brothers, neighbors, people they love, family members murdered right there by the command of God, by the consequence of sin. Right there. And now we stand here. Looking at Moses, who stands before the Lord once again. First off, can you all imagine, after all that Moses has been through, leading his people, all that everything's happened, he goes up, spends those 40 days, comes down, sees that, and then he's got to go back and talk to God. (laughs) Can you imagine? That's where we're picking up today. And my hope is, is that today you'll see that God's people has always had a God who was present. That God's people has always had a God that's present. And more so than that, my goal is that you today, my desire is that you today would understand that there is a very present God here today for you. He's not left you. He hasn't forsaken you. Those promises are true. 
And I want you to understand that today as we go through God's word. I was thinking about this story, and I think I told this many years ago here, but uh, if, you, if you heard it, just that's the preacher's um, prerogative. They get to tell stories again. Amen? There's a story of a farmer and his wife, and they had a good old bench seat truck. Y'all remember those? Man, I had one. I had a little five-speed in the middle. Me and Jacqueline were dating. She would be all scooched up next to me. Man, that was the life, I'm telling y'all. Driving down, had her right beside me, and, and I just loved that. And this farmer and this wife were going down, and that's how they were. She was all scooched up when they were dating, when they got married. Everything was wonderful. And then she kind of looked up after years, and she's all the way over to the window seat on the other side. And she sees this big space, and she's just looking out the window, and it gets her, and she says, Dear Henry, what happened to us? We used to sit so close together. Our marriage was so good. We used to show each other love. We were right beside each other. You couldn't separate us. And Henry looked at his wife, and he said, Dear Liza, I ain't ever moved. <laughs> and you see, church, I believe when you discover, you look up and you discover that you're not as close to God as you once were. I think you can understand this. He didn't move. He didn't move from you. We did. We drift from God. And he pursues us and calls us back into that close, intimate presence. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, I just, I just think that maybe, maybe some of us here today, Lord, and maybe more than some, God, have drifted. We've looked up and we've realized the space between us and you, God. So, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, Lord, that we'd come to the realization that you haven't moved. Father, you haven't left us. You haven't forsook us, Lord. But rather, you're, you're there for us to turn around and be embraced by your open arms. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray that you would meet us in this place as we turn around and recognize that you are present. You are a present God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. The first point for us this morning is the presence of God is not something to be taken for granted. It's not something to be taken for granted. Now, it is something that we can easily take for granted, but it shouldn't be, right? We shouldn't take the presence of God for granted. And so look at it with me. Exodus 33, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and all the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Sounds good, right? Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey until this. God says, for I, though, will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned. And no one put on his ornaments. And for the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do to you. And so Israel, children of Israel, stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. So here we have the people of God taking the presence of God for granted. They've been walking with him this whole time. I mean, think about this. The beauty of walking with the God who guided and directed you and dwelt with you. All of this time and then just in a matter of time, we see where they've completely taken the presence of God for granted. So what does God do here? He paints a picture. He paints a picture of his blessing without his presence. He says, here, I'll give you the blessing I promised, but I won't go up in your midst. Now, initially, it might have sounded like a good thing when he was telling them that he was going to give them all this stuff. He says, go depart. I'll give you the land which I swore to your fathers and your father's fathers. I'll, I'll make sure that your descendants inherit it. He says, in fact, I'll, I'll take everybody out of there. Make sure it's yours. And then it'll be a prosperous land. It'll flow with milk and honey. It's yours. But the people knew the reality 
of what God had just said. How do we know that? It says they mourned when they heard the bad news. When they heard that God was not going to go up in their midst, they mourned. It stopped them right in their tracks. They knew this was bad news. God said he would be their God and they would be his people. It was the presence of God that made them the people of God. And without the presence of God, they really had no blessing to really enjoy. I mean, let's think about it, church. What is there in life without the presence of God? It's the greatest blessing to ever be given is a God who is our Savior, who dwells with us and walks with us, and we walk with Him. There would be no distinction in who they were. And who they were wasn't as important as where they were. What land they possessed, what they, they had, what, what prestigious mark they had, it wasn't near as important as who they were. And who they were was deemed by whose they were. They were God's people. So they mourned when they realized God's presence was taken for granted. And, and again, God has been with them time and time again. Miracle after miracle, plague after plague of watching them deliver them from Egypt. Time and time again, God shows his faithfulness to them. It shows his presence with them. And in a moment of uncertainty, less than 40 days, in a season of uncertainty, they completely take his presence for granted and turn. I wonder how many of us today are in that very place. If you're listening, say, I'm listening. God has been with us time and time again through our life. Time and time again. You can look back, you can think back, and you can say, man, God delivered me there. God was with me here. God spared me there. God was so good to me here. But in a season of uncertainty, when it struck, maybe 40 days or less, all of a sudden, God, where are you? Are you going to do anything, God? God, are you serious? Taking his presence for granted. I think it, uh, for me, and, and I'm speaking to myself here, y'all. For me, here's the best way I notice it. There's times when I'm so close to God, and I love these times, where I'm just in constant prayer with him. It's like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, man, Lord, it's a good morning. And I step out, and I'm like, God, man, you're so good to me, Lord, thank you. I walk out, and I get in the truck, and I drive, and I just look at the sky. I'm like, God, this is something you created. Thank you, Lord. God, I'm so blessed for my wife. God, thank you for my family. Lord, I don't deserve this. You're so good to me. And all day long, there's this conversation of admiring God and worshiping him and him just showing me his goodness. And I'll go all day. I call it casual prayer. And then all of a sudden, I look up, and I go a day, a two-day, a week, and it's like I hadn't even talked to God once. Now, I may say grace at the meal, at the, at the table, and, and I may pray in, in those certain moments, but my casual prayer, my everyday conversation just seems to fade off. And let me just tell you, church, when that happens, it's a good indication of you drifting from the Lord. When you stop the casual, everyday conversation with Him, you need to look up and recognize there's a space between the two of you. And when you do, and perhaps, like I said, maybe we're in that place right now. When you do, would you mourn at this bad news? Would you mourn? Would you, would you be grieved inside? Would you turn back to him? The second point I have for us today is we must be willing to forsake everything for the presence of God. To forsake everything. We must be willing to let go of everything to be in the presence of God. Now, this is huge. I mean it. I mean the gravity of what I'm saying here. Everything, whatever it is, has to be held softly when it comes to holding on to the presence of God. We must be willing to forsake everything. Look at it with me in Scripture. Chapter 33, verse 7. So we're picking right back up. Verse 7, if you're there, say amen. amen. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. And called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And so it was when Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. And each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Now this is a temporary tabernacle, right? Not the one that God has told them to build yet. They hadn't built it yet. This is a temporary tent outside of the camp. Verse 9. 
And it came to pass when Moses entered this tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. And Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider this nation is your people. And God said, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. And then he said to him, Moses to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not even bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. And so the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. And I know you by name. The first thing I see here when I read this is we see the consequence of sin for the redeemed. They've been delivered. They've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we see the consequence right off of their sin, of their rebellion and worshiping of idols. We see the consequence of it. Why is this? We see that they have to take the tent. Moses takes the tent and pitches it where? Outside of the camp. Far from the camp, called the tabernacle of meeting. Now, why was this? Because God said, if I came into your midst, I'd consume you. If I came into your midst right now, you would be gone. My wrath would be all over you and consume you right in that moment. And so we see this. And so while their sin did not exactly remove the presence of God, it removed the intimacy with God. And isn't that true, church? Don't you all realize that? Don't, don't won't we realize when we sin, when we fall short, and you're a child of God, it's not too long before you realize, man, I am not as close to him as I was. Because there's this intimacy that's broke. That's the consequence of sin. It's a barrier between us and God. But here's the deal. They were redeemed, and Moses, he knew that God knew him by name. He knew that he knew him by name and that he had found grace in his sight. Can I just say to you, if you're a child of God this morning, if you're a son or daughter of the king, chosen, can I say to you that he knows your name? Not only does he know your name, but grace has met you, that you have found grace in his eyes. Isn't that so encouraging to know that even through the consequences of our wrong decisions and sin and falling from God, even through the consequences, he pursues us to such a point where he says, don't forget, though, I know your name. And my grace is sufficient. Sufficient. Moses was willing to forsake everything at that moment for that intimacy with God once again. Verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, don't even bring us up from here. Now recognize what Moses is saying here. He says, if you don't go with us, leave us here. Don't bring us up. Now where were they at? Here they are in the wilderness at the foot of a mountain where they just saw three thousands of their brothers and their neighbors and all those they loved killed. And Moses says, leave me here and don't even take me from this place if you don't go with me. How desperate are we for the presence of God, y'all? We are such a busy people. We have such a busy heart of, of, I just need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to get in this place, and I need to get in this place. Maybe the thing is, is just to slow down and say, God, don't take me a single place until you go with me and before me. I want to be in your presence, Lord, as long as I'm with you. God's presence was more important than anything else. And when we're in that place, we're willing to forsake anything, everything for that presence. And when that happens... Something beautiful happens, and I see it here in Scripture. 
Remember, the people were mourning, they were sad, they were destroyed at the fact that God was, was going to, to remove his presence and tell them to go in a sense. He, the fact that their intimacy with God was broken, they were mourning this. And that mourning then turned into seeking the Lord. It says, everyone who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle of meeting. And so the mourning then turned them to seeking. And then we have this great promise in Scripture that those who seek the Lord will find him if you seek him with your whole heart and with your soul. You'll find him, the Scriptures say. So they went from mourning to seeking the Lord. And those that mourn and seek the Lord then will see the presence of God. It's the very thing that happens, and it's what's happened in my life time and again. But Moses is going. He's there. They're, they're mourning. They're destroyed over the fact of what their sin has done. Then they seek the Lord. They go, and then they see this tent. They see the presence of God fall on the tabernacle of meeting. And it says not only did they see it, but they arose and worshipped. If you want to know what to do when you drift away from God, when your sin grabs a hold and you look up and you feel that distance between you and God, would you mourn? And would that mourning take you to a seeking of the Lord? And would that seeking then take you to the place of where you see him because he's found? And then when you see him and find him, would you worship him? And the greater worship even happened still yet. Moses, who was willing to forsake everything, found himself again in the presence of God talking to him face to face as one talks to a friend. This has always been a huge blessing to me when I read this. Because that's the way I experience God. I experience him in this way of, of he's a friend. He's, he's someone who's been with me through the deep. Whatever my life has sent, it's like I can look back and feel his presence in those moments. Just like a friend who counseled me and a friend who loved me, but even to a much bigger degree, God face-to-face as a friend. That's who Moses got to speak to there as his presence came down. And that leads us to the third point here this morning is as, as we forsake everything to get that presence of God, being willing to, to, to give it all up for that presence. The third point then is standing in the presence of God gives you a desire to see the glory of God. As you stand in the presence as you see him, then you desire this glory, the glory of God to be revealed. So look at it with me. Go to chapter 33, verse 18. If you're there, say amen. amen. Listen to the boldness of, of Moses here. After all that's been occurring and all that's been done, God just told him, don't forget though, Moses, I know your name. And I will go with you. My grace has found you. And then Moses turns around and here's what he says. Moses says, please. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. And then he said, I will make, this is God here, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, yeah, amen, sister. Thank you, Lord. You cannot see my face, though. Wait a second. Didn't it just say Moses was with God face to face? Speaking as a friend. and I always struggle with this for a long time. God, you said that he was speaking to you as a friend face to face. And now you're saying your face isn't going to be seen. There's a sense of God's revealed glory. Something more so than just his conversation with him. God had to limit it to such a degree that Moses could see his glory to what he was revealing. And so, here's what he says. You cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. It shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Amen. Man, can you imagine the Lord taking his hand, putting it on you, allowing you to walk by? What a blessing, right? In the cleft of the rock. Then I'll take my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The more time Moses spent with God, the more his glory he desired to be revealed. And oh, did Moses ever see the glory of God. Put in a cleft of a rock, covered by the hand of God. All of his goodness passing by. And then he takes his hand off and lets him see his back. The glory of God. Now, I don't know what the actual figure of God looked like in that moment. The back of God. But I can only imagine the glory of God being revealed that day. Passed by in the cleft of the rock. But still yet, listen to me. Because 
when Moses sees this, he's going to leave. And the glory was so bright and, and so powerful and so revealed that when he leaves, people actually notice that his face is shining. Because he's radiating, he's, he's replicating this glory that he's seen. And, and, and he ends up putting a veil on his face because the glory is fading away. It was so bright at first that they couldn't even look steadily upon him. And then he puts a veil because it's fading away till he goes and sees God once again. So still yet, for Moses, God's revealed glory was limited. Again, I think of this story and him in the cleft of the rock and the beauty of God passing, all of his goodness passing by. But still yet, there was a limitation that God placed on the revelation of his glory that day. He says, you can't see my face. You cannot see the face of God, but hear what he says in chapter 34, verse 10. He promised more to come. This is when it gets good, y'all. Go to chapter 34, verse 10. If you're there, say amen. And he said, behold, this is God speaking, behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among you who are are, shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. And let me just tell you, this is what God promised then. But can I share that, that today we have seen the marvels such as not had been seen at that moment? In fact, we have seen the work of the Lord. We have seen the awesome thing that he has done. We've seen it. On this side of the cross, we've seen it. To us, more glory of God has been revealed than to Moses that day. You see it in in, in 2 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there, but I want to speak to you what Paul spoke to the Corinth church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he told him, If the ministry that brought death, referring to the chiseled stones there that Moses brought down, if the ministry that brought death, the law coming down, what we just read last week, if that ministry, if it came with such a glory that the people could not even look steadily at the face of Moses, if that ministry had that glory, and if that ministry was set aside, If it was set aside and it was that glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that is eternal through the face of Jesus Christ? That's what Paul says. If they couldn't stare at his face then, how much more glorious of something that was fading away, now we have that doesn't ever fade, the glory of Christ. Moses had to put the veil over because it was fading, but today, Paul tells us we get to look at God with unveiled faces, mirroring the glory of God because we have been given the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If it was glorious then, how much more glorious is it that we get to experience God today? I think of the old song, the greater glory we have in Christ, the old song, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the waters and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save me from its guilt and power. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All could never sin erase. Thou must save and save by grace. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. While I draw with this fleeting breath, when my eyes have seen in death, close in death, when I soar to the world's unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Mm. Top Lady wrote that song and it's legend that he was actually walking through England and there was a storm that came by and the storm was so heavy that he found this cleft in the rock and he squeezes into this cleft of the rock and legend has it that he found a six of diamonds playing card on the ground and he picked it up and wrote this song. Now most of the biographers think that that was just legend and folk tale. But the reality is, is most of them also say that probably did happen. The, the whole thing on drawing it on a, a card probably never happened. But the storm certainly happened, and he was in the cleft of the rock. He would meditate on that. And then he read the preface, no doubt, of the hymnal that was going around, the Wesleyan hymnal. And here's what the preface said, and I want you to hear it because it's so beautiful. Oh, rock of Israel. Rock of salvation, rock struck and cleft for me. Let those two streams of blood and water, which one gushed 
which once gushed out of it the side. Bring down pardon and holiness into my soul. And let me thirst after them now, as if I stood upon the mountain whence sprung the water. And near the cleft of the rock, the wounds of my Lord, whence gushed out the sacred blood. You see, church, Moses was placed in a cleft of the rock. And the hand of God covered him as his glory passed by. Me and you, on this side of the cross, we are placed in the cleft of the rock. But the cleft is the wounds of our Lord and Savior. Where the blood and the water gushed out. And rather than being covered with the hand of God like Moses was in that moment, we are covered by the sacred blood of Jesus that fell from the cross that day. What glory has been revealed. And so today, we can stand behind a veil that has already been torn and never have access to the presence of God. Or we can recognize that the, te- the, the, the veil was torn from top to bottom. And we have full access to enter into the very presence of God today. The last and very brief thing I have for us as we wrap up the whole book of Exodus. Because the next several chapters are going to go into the actual building of the tabernacle. Which we've already had the instructions for. Very similar language there. They actually build it. And then this happens at the very end. And so go to chapter 40 with me. Chapter 40 verse 34. The very last part of the book. And the final point I have for us this morning is the presence of God is with his people throughout all their journeys. The presence of God is with his people throughout all their journeys. Exodus 40, verse 34, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all of their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not journey till the day it was taken up. Listen to verse 38. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and the fire was over it by night, and the side of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. As we close the book of Exodus today, I hope you've come to realize that God has an Exodus story that he's writing with your life. That it's built on the Exodus story of what he did and how he delivered. And through Jesus, we now have an Exodus where we have been called out of slavery and called into the presence of God. And if you're in Christ, then that is your story. And this presence has been with you throughout all of your journeys. Now, there may be times that your intimacy was broken. There may be times that you look back and you say, I wasn't as close to him that day. Or or, today, I'm not as close to him. My intimacy with God has been broken. But can I just remind you that his presence has never left you. That it is with you all of your journeys. He's never moved. Don't take his presence for granted. Be willing to forsake everything for the presence of God. And don't miss the more glorious presence that's offered today through Jesus Christ. As we close this morning, the call that I have for you today is a couple fold. First off, my thought is, is perhaps we read this story and we recognize exactly where we are in it. We recognize the space that we have, the intimacy with God that has been broken. We recognize that we're not um, unsaved, that we are saved, that we're in Christ. We're not doubting our salvation, but we know that the distance between me and him is, is, is growing because I'm drifting from him. Then here's your answer today. Mourn. Mourn. Crawl up to this altar if you have to because you're on your face before a holy God and you're mourning by saying, God, I'm not close to you. I know I'm drifting away. And you cry and you say, Lord, please help me turn back to you. Lord, I'm in this place that I know I've gotten myself here, but I know that you still know me by name and I have grace in your sight. 
Would you come and cry at this altar today? Because what will happen is God will answer that morning and he'll help you turn and seek him. And when you seek him with all of your heart and all your soul, you will find him. And when you find him, you'll see him. And when you see him, you'll worship him. Would you be brought back into a place of worship this morning? The other fold is perhaps you don't have that anchor of saying, I know he knows my name and that his grace is on me in such a way of salvation. I don't have that anchor in my life because I don't know if I've ever really turned from myself. I don't know if I've ever really turned from, from my desires and my heart and I've really forsook everything to be in his presence. Because here's what Christ has done. He forsook heaven to come die on a cross, a death for you. If you look at your life and you say, my life's really not that bad. All these church people, they have this thing about Jesus and, and it's good for them and I'm kind of glad I'm here, but it's not really my Jesus thing. What are you saying about Jesus when you say that? Don't think about what you're saying about the people beside you. What are you saying about Christ? What are you saying about his sacrifice that he gave on the cross? If you look at it and say, yeah, it's not really my Would the Holy Spirit show you that it's your thing because he pursued you, left heaven, came to the cross? And today, may you hear, he knows your name and his grace can find you. Run to him today. Father, I just pray right now, Lord Jesus. God, let this be the day. You tell us that today is the day of salvation, Lord. And Lord, if there's someone who, who's just kind of been on the fence, would you show them the gravity of that decision today? That, that, that there really is no fence in this, Lord. Lord. Lord, there's really no sense of just playing both parts, Lord. That, that either we're all in with you, Jesus, or really we have no part with you. So God, would you bring surrender to this place, God? Lord, I believe that your scriptures teach that we'll never even seek you apart from the grace of God. That on our own, we won't seek you. And so, Lord, I'm begging of the Holy Spirit to fall on this place right now and to, to, to stir up in the souls here, Lord, today so that they would turn from themselves and truly seek you and say, I want all of you, Jesus. What you offer, the blessing of salvation, you, my Savior, Lord, I want you and you alone. can't do this thing anymore. I can't just go about it myself. But Father, maybe perhaps there's others in here that's just drifted from you and it breaks their heart, God, because they know of the closeness they had with you. They know of where they're fallen. Lord, would you just simply show them the reminder of your grace and how sufficient it is today? And would you bring them to a place of mourning so that they would turn and seek you and worship you, Lord? Restore the casual prayer of our church, Lord. The casual everyday moment of just speaking to you and being amazed by you and adoring you and worshiping you, Lord. Restore that friendship with you, Jesus. May we seek you in this moment, Lord. Remind us of our Exodus story or call us into an Exodus story, perhaps, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today, and we trust that you were blessed by an almighty God that loves you. Friendship loves you as well, and if you would like to talk to someone, please call the church at 903-549-2542. Again, that is 903-549-2542. God bless you.